0: All right, well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, It's very good to see you all on this gorgeous, gorgeous day. I didn't know how many we would see today. Uh, It was tempting to keep driving. In case you don't know me, my name is Kathy Brown. I am a spiritual health practitioner, i.e. chaplain, at the Peter Lockheed Hospital in Northeast Calgary, and I've been coming to Awaken for about a year and a half now. It's been a huge blessing to me to be here with you for that time, and I look forward to more. So we are in the midst of a series about the Holy Spirit. For this series, we are in chapter two of the book of Acts, and this was kicked off two weeks ago when Beth Stubble came and spoke to us about how the Spirit rushes in. Last week, Mike is it Petker, Potker, pardon me, shared with us about how the spirit pours out. And today we are going to talk about prophecy. As a former Pentecostal, I felt a great deal of pressure to step up to the plate when Nikayla said, can you do this day? Not really, but it certainly is a subject that stirs up controversy and a lot of strong opinions, doesn't it? Okay, so have have you ever been going through job announcements uh, like in the classifieds or on Indeed, this is 2023 and a job title just calls out to you? Like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. I could do that. And then you read the details, and you're like, oh, no way. No way, no how, not going to be me. Well, as I was skimming through the prophets this week, um, the Old Testament prophets, I decided to put a job announcement together. So let's take a look. Just so you know, the kingdom of God is currently looking for candidates to fill the position of prophet. Now, a prophet in the kingdom of God specializes in confronting other kingdoms, kings, and communities, often their own, that's a lot of fun, with their transgressions and sins and announcing the coming of God's justice for the same. Skills required, you must be able to repeat exact words given by your supervisor, i.e., God. Um, Must be able to hold, and that might be thousands of words, by the way. You know, it is a gifting you need. Uh, You must be able to hold your tongue or not resent having it held for you. Um, You must be willing to risk life on a continuous basis. You may be required to expose your body parts as object lessons for others, Um, May need to be willing to ingest by mouth massive amounts of paper in the form of scrolls. May require marrying promiscuous woman or man and other duties as assigned and required. You know, like, how is that sounding to you? Any takers? How do you fine tune your resume for that one? No, thank you. And just in case you think I pulled this stuff out of my hat, let's look some, at some examples from where I got this information. Isaiah. Isaiah had to walk about stripped and barefoot as a sign to Egypt and Cush. Sorry, my uh, little computer doesn't scroll down quite as fast as it should. Jeremiah. Now he was instructed to make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it around his neck he was beaten mocked and ridiculed his own people tried to get him put to death ezekiel ezekiel had to lay on his left side for over a year 390 days in fact and then on his right side for over a month 40 days And uh, God tied him up with ropes to keep him from squirming. You know, I work in the hospital. I'm like, I'm hoping there was a nurse nearby to change his diaper. Like, just thinking about what happened here is pretty grim. His tongue was stuck to the roof of his mouth for a time as well to keep him quiet. Hosea. Hosea was told to marry a promiscuous woman who ended up, cheating on him over and over and over again. And God told Hosea he had to go fetch her and show her love over and over and over again. Jonah, his task was to confront the leader of Nineveh and the Ninevites with their sins. And it's been likened to God instructing a Jew To go confront Hitler. Adolf. You know what? That's not. No, it's not good. Adolf. You know, you've been a bad boy. I don't think I would want to be Jonah. Micah. I threw this one in because the Bible says he went around naked and barefoot. Reminded me of Isaiah. But the Bible didn't actually say God instructed him to. I'm hoping God instructed him to. Otherwise, we got problems with the prophets, right? So the prophets not only had to deliver bad news to kingdoms, kings, and communities, but they had to do some miserable things, ways of conveying that message to people. This was not pleasant business. But they also foretold of good things and brought hope as well. That was part of their uh, job. Of course, some of these prophets foretold the coming of Christ. Isaiah, these words will be familiar. Isaiah 714, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. I wouldn't mind giving that message. That job sounds fun. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That sounds like good news. I want to be a prophet for that one. Hosea, as much as he had troubles, he did get to at least... Prophesy the coming of Jesus. He said, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Micah, Micah 5, 1 through 3, says, and this is kind of a mixed bag. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah though you are a small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites." again, foretelling the coming of Jesus, but that one has both the good news and the bad news in there. But I maybe wouldn't mind being the bearer of the news of Jesus's coming. So the job of the Old Testament prophets, I don't think, was a very coveted position overall, admired, perhaps, but not coveted. And how do we get from this period in scripture? to today's uh, scripture in the book of Acts. Let's look at a little timeline here. So Malachi was the last of the Old Testament prophets to speak out. And then there was 400 years of, some say silence. There was no prophetic voice speaking out in that period. It was called the intertestament time. 400 years, you know. After that 400 years, we get to the book of Matthew or Mark, and they begin, uh, like Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus. So, so begins the fulfillment of the prophet's vision of Jesus coming. And as we know, Jesus lives 33 years. In the 34th year, on Passover, he was crucified. Three days later, he was resurrected as he prophesied. Forty days after his uh, resurrection was the ascension. Now, in that 40 days, he appeared, remember, to women who announced his uh, resurrection to the disciples and others. They were the first. He appeared on the road to Emmaus. Um, he gave the Great Commission in that time. And he told the disciples during a meal one time do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He then ascended into the sky. And a cloud hid him from view. Pardon me. So, together at that point, the disciples, the women, the brothers, they all went back to the house with the upper room and they waited as Jesus instructed them. Ten days they waited. They waited together, they prayed together, and then it happened. Exactly 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, it was the day of Pentecost, which literally means I learned that I never ferreted it out till today or till I was preparing for this. Pentecost literally means 50 days. You know, I would have thought that would have been obvious to me, having lived near the Pentagon in my youth. Uh, anyway, 50 days after the resurrection. The Holy Spirit blew in. A sound like a very violent wind filled the house they were in. And what appeared to be tongues of fire arrived. And all of them there were filled with the Spirit and began to prophesy in different languages. Now there were Jews from all nations staying in Jerusalem who heard the commotion, and went to see what was going on. In verse 11, we have a quote from them. They say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Like, how can that be? And then someone makes the uh, claim that they're probably drunk. Um, And so Peter stands up to explain. And he says, no, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, I figured we should all co-opt the fun part (laughs) there and talk about that in our sermons. Um, But Peter stands up and says, no, they're not drunk. This is the fulfillment, really, of prophecy that was given hundreds and hundreds of years ago by the prophet Joel. Which brings us to our text for today and for this series, actually. Today, we're just going to read uh, verses 17 and 18, because that's what we're focusing on. And it says, in the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So Peter's saying, look, at this is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel's prophecy. The time is now. And look what the scripture says. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. My servants will prophesy. Both men and women will prophesy. This is gender-inclusive language. This is class-inclusive language. This is age-inclusive language. We talk about being the priesthood of all believers. This is the prophecyhood of all believers, all believers, even Peter. How ironic is it? That Peter, and how perfect is it, that Peter is the one to deliver this message. Who better than Peter? Seven weeks before this, he had failed Jesus, denying him three times. And yet here he was, being filled with the Spirit, prophesying and leading this whole thing, interpreting what was going on. This should give us all hope right? We've all, or at least I have anyway, denied Jesus at times. And it feels like, how can I be chosen to do any of this in the kingdom of God? And yet Peter was doing this. The spirit poured out on all who were there. I love that that word is in there. All who were there began prophesying in different languages. God seems to continue to favor even those who may have done some disappointing things, including not following what he suggested or commanded at times. So let's look at some definitions. So the word prophecy in our passage refers to the speaking and proclaiming of the greatness, wonders of God, for the sake of strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So that's, it's the same word that's used in First 1 Corinthians 14.3. And if you combine it with what's said in Acts 2.11, you come up with that. And that is a, it is a great definition, at least for this passage, right? Because it does say. They were speaking about the greatness of God in all different languages. But I don't think we can talk about a prophet in modern times without being a bit more comprehensive. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel is a recognized Jewish expert in this area, particularly in modern prophets. Pardon me, prophets. He wrote a very famous book called The Prophets which I wish I could have bought and read for this, but there's limited time, let me tell you, and limited funds, too. There were lots of books I wanted. Anyway, he writes, yet the purpose of prophecy is to conquer callousness, to change the inner person, as well as to revolutionize history. It is embarrassing to be a prophet. We heard about that. (laughs) Uh, There are so many pretenders, predicting peace and prosperity, offering cheerful words, (laughs) adding strength to self-reliance, while the prophet predicts disaster, pestilence, agony, and destruction. People need exhortations to courage, endurance, confidence, fighting spirit. But Jeremiah proclaims, you are about to die if you do not have a change of heart and cease being callous to the word of God. He sends shutters over the whole city. We also see in the scriptures that prophecy is not just words, predictions, and proclamations, but also actions. In fact, a prophet needs to be able to read the times so they can speak into the culture of those times. That's what they're doing is confronting culture, confronting dominant culture, confronting empire. I'm going to very carefully and with, uh, with trembles here, exercise the little bit of pro- prophetic gift that I have and suggest that today, There are lots and lots and lots of words spoken. Over the radio, over television, over social media, the words never stop. And I wonder if the most effective way to prophesy, to challenge empire or dominant culture, to proclaim the wonders of God and the greatness of God is with action with ministry, with community. Walter Brueggemann wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination. It's a very good book. And there are a couple of quotes I've taken for today. He says, the practice of prophetic ministry is a stance and a posture. All functions of the church can and should be prophetic voices that serve to criticize the dominant culture around us while energizing the faithful. Pastoral care can be a prophetic ministry. Sunday school classes can be a prophetic ministry. Some people say, how can Sunday school class be a prophetic ministry? But if you think about how um, many of our churches are, they go by, and I forget the name of the program, But the premise of it is if you don't keep them moving every five minutes, you know, children will just check out because everyone has a very short attention span. So Sunday school, if you help children sit and be quiet, that is prophetic in nature. That's how it can be a prophetic ministry. Among other ways, preaching can be a prophetic ministry. So the practice of prophetic ministry is a stance and a posture and deals with actions, functions of the church. Ruggerman also writes, prophetic ministry does not consist of spectacular acts of social crusading, although it can, because he actually lists Martin Luther King as a a prophet of our times. And by the way, I didn't realize till I read this book that um, Martin Luther King was under 40 when he died. He was 39 years old. I had no idea. Prophets are often young. But he says prophetic ministry does not consist of spectacular acts of social crusading or of abrasive measures of indignation. Rather, prophetic ministry consists of offering an alternative perception of reality. So I love that worship song that was picked Uh, right there at the end. It talked about a different reality. And in letting people see their own history in the light of God's freedom and his will for justice. And I think with that alternative perception of reality, he can be pointing to community. Look what happened in Acts after the spirit rushed in, after they prophesied. They formed community in Acts 42. They learned together. They fellowshiped together. They ate together, prayed together. They had everything in common. They sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They ate together in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. And they praised God together. Let's look at our community. Let's look at the awakened community. We tend the community garden together. We stock the common cupboard together. We live in community together. I know of many people who are able to rent rooms in other Uh, other of our congregants' homes. We write together, we read poetry together. We take people into our homes who are experiencing tough times. We share our stuff. I track the ACE page, looking for stuff. (laughs) We have table groups sharing meals in our homes with one another. We play board games together, among other things. Nikayla was telling me I had no idea about this. Um, we've taught ESL to Yazidi women. Some of our folks have hosted indigenous elders, and we attend powwows. These are countercultural things. These are a challenge to the way, uh, the way it's assumed we should live, right? Have your own garden, Tend to it so you can save money on your vegetables, you know, kind of thing. Um, this community is one of the most prophetic communities I've experienced here in Alberta. Just to wrap this up, another definition that we can use, I believe, with confidence is, and this sort of sums up. Things To prophesy is to embody the life and character of God, which is in itself a challenge to the dominant culture of today. Look at our scripture today has told us that the Holy Spirit pours out on all people. There's no list of exceptions there. All people may prophesy. And all are welcome here at Awaken, amen.